Are you looking for truth from God's Word that you can understand and apply to your life? You'll find it today on Make It Clear with Dr. Stan Pons. Listen now as Stan makes it clear. And then finally, Rockefeller again commented, the poorest man I know is the man who has nothing but money. So there's a lack of contentment. Now this is not a manipulation for you to say, I don't want any more money, therefore I don't need any more money, uh, and I'm just going to, again, just hang around and be a bum. That's not really where we're going. That's why you need to be back here next week, unless you want me to preach it now. We'll just stay till 2 o'clock, okay? But I don't think so. I want you to be back because there is the right idea of working hard, getting money. God wants us to do that. The work ethic, all that's part of it. So bring your young people, especially next week, if you will. All right? Godliness with contentment. Now I want you to see eternal riches as something else they're ignorant of. The eternal riches of it. For we have brought nothing into the world, so we cannot take anything out of it either. Then he tells them to do something. Instruct them to do good, to be rich in good works, to be generous, ready to share, storing up for themselves the treasure of a good foundation for the future. Most of us think a good foundation of the future is going to be a college education. And so you go to Europe or you go to Asia, their families are practically verbally abusing them, if not physically abusing their children to hit the books, hit the books, hit the books, hit the books. The high suicide rate among students in Asia because they made a A minus. I'm not making this up to make my point. Just read this. We've lived in the Asian culture for over a decade. We know the stress on those kids. And then you get those kids, they go through that process, they now get a job. And look at the amount of hours that people in Japan are working. And their bosses are making them work. And then I could throw in North Korea under the bus with all of their people. So again, I'm saying that it's not all of that. Instruct them to be good. The foundation is character. The foundation is Christ's character in us. So that they may take hold of that which is life indeed. It's that character that's inside of them. It's putting your head on the pillow at night without guilt, here it is, and without worry. Because you, in context, you did right. You had character of goodness within you. Not just just running after money. Here's the uh, third one here, and I wanted to look at this one for a moment. They're ignorant of what is true gain, godliness with contentment now, eternal riches but also a simpler lifestyle. They miss that. If we have food and covering with these, we shall be content. What should we be content with? Food and covering. Now, covering could mean clothes. I think it, you might, it, by extension, could be housing. You know, and I don't mean you know popcorn palaces that you live in. You don't even know they're just opulent. But at the same time, something to cover you. But more just food and cover, uh, just the basic needs of life. So why don't you write that in your margin? If we have the basic needs of life, we should be content with those. I read an article recently how retired people are now looking at their life and they say we have so much stuff, so they're selling their houses, they're buying a small RV, and they're going around the country doing mission work until they can't drive any longer. 
That's a simple lifestyle. How many of you have ever been up to Pennsylvania and you're sitting there and you're thinking, oh, those Amish people, what a simple life they have. You probably have said that. Now, I'm not trying to say I'll be Amish people and get buggies. But what I am saying is, though, that I believe Scripture is talking about that simple lifestyle because sometimes we get the things and the things have us. You follow me? And so, again, when do we have enough? The simple lifestyle. Well, what's another consequence? And that would be becoming sinfully entrapped by deception and temptation. It says here, but those who want to get rich fall into temptation. Now, you want to understand, there's, this, there's three different phrases in this entire passage. Here they are. Love money, long after money, and want riches. So I want you to know, they're really hammering an attitude within you. This is a very unusual type of word for want here. This is more of not just an emotion, well, I really want to get a, 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 an ice cream cone this afternoon. It's not that kind of want. It's not just fleshy little emotional thing. It's the wantingness. It's the planningness. It's the desiring for this. It's the plotting for this. I want that. And you know the difference between that little desire of something and I want that. You know what it means to love. The word love there, loving money, it's a different word. It's the idea of having affection for silver, so to speak. So it is attached to something. And I could take you back to the Old Testament and why the Lord told him to destroy these idols that had gold and silver on all of them. You know, just to get that away from you, he was saying. And then the idea of longing for something. That's an unusual word too. Longing isn't like, why really long or pine? It's the word stretch or to reach for something so much you want to have, you got to get that. It'd be like, um, have you... Have you ever been driving down the highway? Don't listen to me, you police officers here. You're driving down the road and you realize you, you left your phone in your book bag or whatever, your backpack, and it's in the back seat. So you're trying to get it out there because you don't have Bluetooth to tell it what to do, you know? And you're reaching all around. You've got to have that. Even at the expense of your life, your car, and all those that are around you on the highway. All right, I know that, you know that. How many agree with that that's happened to you at least once in some measure say, uh-huh, well, that was loud. Okay, I got that. Well, that kind of line is, I got to have that, is what he's speaking about here. And that makes us sinfully entrapped in it. Go back to the passage. Who want to get rich, fall. More in the original language, it's the idea of continually falling. In other words, we, we don't just fall one time. We fall and then we keep falling. And I, I like to look at it this way. It's kind of like when we want this so badly, no matter the cost we want it, we're like rolling down like a cowboy in the Old West that falls off this little cliff or hill and he bounces, boom, 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 and then he stops and then he rolls again, boom, 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 and then he stops again he tries to get up and then he falls further until he finally gets destroyed or killed at the bottom. That's how it is, because we kind of get a little bit, then we think, okay, that's, everything's okay so far, and we go over it again, because we keep wanting more and more and more and more of this. And he's warning, it's a trap that we get into, and it says, and many foolish and harmful desires. So in other words, it's not just one, it just goes everywhere. It just goes everywhere in our life. And generally when that happens, in my opinion, is, is that we move away from people in healthy relationships with others when we're chasing the Almighty, we may start by saying, if I have this, I can help my kids get this. If I have this, I can provide that for my wife. Or this. I'm not about basic needs of life. I'm saying way beyond that. We then start pushing those aside 
or we neglect them if we don't even reject them to get a trophy wife or whatever because I need that to get this. You see how this thing just keeps tumbling further and further down when we have this inordinate affection for silver. Well, let's look at the second consequence. We become sinfully entrapped. Let's go to the third one. You like the second one? I love the third one. All right, suffer harmful desires and ruinous destruction. It goes on to the passage here, harmful desires and ruinous destruction. It says, which plunge men into ruin and destruction. When I see the word plunge there, that's a word that means to sink like a rock. Like if you were in the water and you had something around you, like a weight or an anchor or a rock or something, and you're trying to swim to the top and you can't, you're plunged down. So you finally try to recognize, I need to get out of this. But sometimes it's so hard once you've walked down the wrong path to get back on the right path again, because you've got, you don't just go from the wrong path and boom, I'm in the right path again. Sometimes you have to untangle the mess that you have, which is confessing of sin, which is talking to the people and making restitution, which is replanning your life again, living with the consequences maybe for weeks, days, months, years because of improper, uh, 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 what do you call it? Um, Co-signing, getting into partnerships, and the list goes on and on. So to get back on the right tra- trip, it's a long way to get there, and it takes a little bit of time to do that, sometimes a lot of time. It goes on to say ruin and destruction. I, I see those words there. I see ruin, destruction, plunging to the bottom. Those are pretty powerful terms. And then it says here, for the love of money is a root of all sorts of evil, and some by longing for it have wandered away from the faith. The faith. And then they pierce themselves with many griefs. I, in my margin, I wrote gold replaced God. Gold replaced God. Who might I think about that? I won't speak to you now. I'm going to speak to those in, quote, my profession. A lot of men have failed because of females and wrong choices they've made morally. Most never never recover. But there's a whole lot of guys, probably even more so, that will fail because of finances. And often you're going to find, according to Proverbs 6, 7, and 8, you're going to find that the, the females and the finances go together in bringing a man down. And then I'm going to broaden that beyond my profession to everyone. How many people have got swept into the name it and claim it theology? The health and wealth gospel. Thinking that this is how we do it. And now it would be like taking this passage of Scripture and putting it underneath 1 Timothy 6, 1-5. through They thought their false godliness would get them great gain. They just lost the faith. And now it's just nothing more than a fake spirituality, fake theology to get what they want. So harmful desires and destruction and the terrible things. I look at this next one, and it may be more at the heart of it, and that is they stop trusting in God. If you go back to 1 Timothy 6, 17 and 18, now it's not talking about desiring riches. It's talking about those who are rich. And I would like us to humbly say this. I believe we are rich. Please tell me what's the threshold of when you're rich and when you're not. Okay, I don't have that. I don't know where that is. So I'm going to assume that I'm rich. And those of you that are very poor, could not you accept the fact that there are people that are poorer than you are? 
So that makes you rich to them. All right, that being said, it says, instruct those who are rich in this present world not to be conceited. Okay, pride comes in because I have more than you have. Or to fix their hope on the uncertainty of riches. To me, the operative word in that phrase is the word uncertainty because we cannot gain, we, we, we cannot guarantee what our riches are going to be like. So the stock market is going up. Anything can happen at any moment, all right? Many years ago, I was pastoring in, in uh, the hill country of, of Texas. And if you remember, that's when there was a major oil problem here in our country. And I looked at our people and I said, no, we're not in Houston. No, we're, we're not along the coast where all the oil wells are. I said, but each one of us are in the oil business. Because however it affects them, it's going to affect us. And now I'm saying this with my arms around you. We live in Orlando. And I'm going to tell you, we are in for a real shock in the next two years of our own economic earthquake of what's going to happen. With many people coming into our community, businesses that aren't not bouncing back because people are still suffering. And I just multiply Orlando and I can put it into Houston. I can put it into Puerto Rico. I can put all you. you, We're all in this thing together. All right. And that's why it says the uncertainty of riches. However, it says, fix your hope on God. But draw your line to the positive. But fix your hope on God, who richly supplies us with all things to enjoy. Doesn't say to love, but to enjoy. Whatever you have, enjoy it. Then it says again, instruct them. So Paul tells Timothy twice, bang, bang, 17 and 18, you teach him, you teach him now. Tells him what not to do. Put your hope in God. That's number one. Then he says, continue your instruction by instructing them to do good. So put a number two by that. Hope in God's number one. Trust in God. Your future is in God. But also do good. And the idea of being good here, I'm going to maybe amplify this a little bit. This would be tell the truth, be honest, have integrity, do good. Because we're going to move to number three, which is to be rich in good works. And I'm going to say be rich in good deeds. Go out and serve others. Get dirty for God in the community. Come alongside others. Let them see Jesus in you, and then let them hear Jesus from you. Hear Jesus from Be rich in good works. That's where you're going to get your most fruit and fulfillment. Then he says, and to be generous. I love that. Again, liberal. The idea of being liberal, and I think it's in the idea of giving. Giving of your time, talent, treasures, tongue, all of that. But then it says, and ready to share. Now, I thought about that. For, why would it say ready to share? When you go back to the word, that's a cool word. I, I'm, I'm going to land the plane here in a moment, believe me. Um, the share part is a word that's often used in relationship, the koinonia, the fellowship with one another, which now tells me that when I give of my time and all that, I might work on a building. I might dump my check into the offering plate, which I hope we all do some form of that. Whatever we do, we may be highly task-oriented, but let us always remember the task is connected the share part is, whatever I do, it's through relationships with others. I don't know that I can make a hard case, but I think this is worth thinking about, and that is, that's why we give most of our giving to our local church, because you're going to help one another. When you give here on Sunday, your money is going to go to the youth. Your money is going to go to those that are going to help teach people who don't even know English. Your money is going to help those little boys and girls coming in through Awana. Your money, when you give to missions... You can give them to anybody you want. We're not, not shutting down missions, but I'm saying when you give to missionaries here, we parade our missionaries in front of you. We want you to know our, our missionaries. More than anything, I would far much rather have you 
have the email address to our missionaries and for us to have to send them to you like, like little kids to have to send it to you. That you take it now and you own those missionaries in your heart and you give to them when they have a special need as God leads you. It's a relational thing with what we do. We come alongside people that are really... Can we help everybody? No. It's one star sh- starfish at a time. Boy, you got quiet on me. Are you all right? Are you still awake? Do me a favor, cut off all the internet service here. Will you just so I can, no, I'm just joking. But listen to what we're saying here. This is what makes life all about. This is the giving part. This is what we're warning people about to head in this direction. Well, if they trust God, maybe their other problem is they forget or deny Him. So we're moving out of 1 Timothy. It says, Keep deception and lies far from me. Give me neither poverty nor riches. Feed me with the food that is my portion that I not be full and deny you and say, who's the Lord? Or that I not be in want and steal or even profane the name of the Lord. Let me not forget God, in other words. Don't let me deny God, which they often do, because often the conceit comes in, I got this money, God, look what I did. I work, I got this, I went to school, I did, you know, it's all of a sudden, I, I, I is all over the place. The last is we can become deceived. And I think that's just per- permeating through all of this. Don't store up for yourself treasures on earth where everything can get at it, but put things on ahead. I'd like to leave you with some positive thoughts that I wrote uh, since I put this message together. I sat in um, my study at the house, and I got thinking, Stan, we got some take-home points for everybody else, but what are your take-home points from your own sermon? Would you like to hear what I wrote in my journal? Good, because you're going to hear it anyway. So here we go. Practical principles to help keep life free from the desire of more possessions. And I put I. I said, I will consciously realize that the Lord the Lord owns everything I have and it all belongs to Him. And be satisfied with it. Number two, that I will cultivate a grateful heart. That when I am grateful for what I have, that will push me in a direction of contentment so that I'm not driven by Boy, if I do more work, I'll get paid more. If I have more money, I can do more stuff, and then I have to justify it and all that. Number three, I put down, distinguish between wants and needs. Stan, what do you want? And what do you need? If you don't mind me being a little corny, I put in my notes here, I put, Stan, watch out for a heart attack. Now, you know why I put that in there? Is when my heart attacks me. It's deceitful above all things, desperately wicked, and that heart will attack me. And I have to be careful when I say wants and needs because I could make everything that's a want appear to be a need. Is that heavy to you? And my heart can do that. So I want to watch out for a heart attack against my mind. Number four, discipline myself to spend less. Go out to dinner, most times if I can, split a meal. Carol gets a third, I get two thirds. No, I'm just joking. Split a meal. All right? Don't supersize something. And you can go on and on. I'm not preaching that, that technical, but discipline myself to spend less. And then stand. Don't just give generously to the Lord. Give sacrificially to the Lord. Get to the point that when I give or... or I, I have to still maintain a position of trusting in the Lord. doesn't mean I dump my, my whole checkbook on the church, but it does mean I don't tip the church. 
I give God what I can mostly give to Him, and I want it to be a sacrifice. Old Testament, when they sacrificed a lamb, that lamb was dead. Dead, 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 dead. It was gone. It was a sacrifice. All right? God blessed them when they did this with a pure heart. And I want to sacrifice and know it's gone. But that's okay. It cost me. There's pain. I miss it. But at the same time, God will take care of it. So for me, I left this message with a little bit more of a positive focus on, on the future. So I hope that uh, you might take home some of these take-home points that I put in your outline. Look through them. Pray through them yourself. If some of you are struggling um, with a feeling of total failure, that you've really messed up on wanting and you, you, you got your wealth, but you lost your family, or you got what you were getting, but then when you got it, you realized it was... Uh, it was a mirage and it wasn't real. You just drank sand when you were thirsty instead of the Lord's Word. I want you to know God loves you. And that's why God said to us that we're all sinners in some way by nature and choice. And we all need a Savior. And that's why the Scripture says from Genesis to Revelation, there is only one Savior. Jesus isn't the best Savior. He's the only Savior. We don't have the best God. We have the only God, really. And so when we come to Him, we come to Him just as we are, saying, Lord, I'm broken, I'm lost. I can't fix everything I've done right. I'm under the penalty of all of this. I need you just to forgive me. I, I need a do-over. And Lord, I want to be in your forever family. So I'm coming to you right now, looking to you as the Lord who died and rose again. And without any good deeds, religious or social, I come to you just as I am. And I'm now trusting you for your forgiveness. Now, however you do that in your mind, so it's all of him and none of you, then I will give you what the Lord says back to you from his word. Jesus says then, you that believe on me, you will not perish. Body will, but your soul will not perish. But you will have everlasting life. And I'll place my spirit inside of you which means that you'll never go to hell no matter what you did wrong because he's inside of you. And because he's inside of you, he will teach you the word. He'll help you understand the word through teachers. He will be the power for you to obey this word. It'll be all through the ministry of the Holy Spirit who is me in spirit form for you, to help you. Now, who would not want to trust that Savior? And afterwards, who would not want to obey that Savior? Follow that Savior adjust their thinking regarding finances because of that Savior. And tell the world about that. Let's pray, shall we? With every head bowed and every eye closed. Our gracious Heavenly Father, I thank you for these dear people whom I love so much. But Father, nobody loves them more than you. And that Father, you loved us so much that you put up your sign, the Word of God. And that that sign wasn't to keep us from having fun, wasn't to squash our life, but it was a sign of your love to keep us from having griefs and pangs of pain if we would only follow that sign. I thank you, Father, for you being our lifeguard and that when we do mess up, it isn't just so we have another life so we can mess up again. 
that we have you now in our life so that we'll mess up less often. And that when we do, you will give us a do-over. I pray for anyone who is listening to my voice now who hasn't trusted you and you alone for their salvation to realize it's not them using their money wisely that will get them into heaven. It's, it's not them getting rid of greed in their attitude and heart. It's them realizing that they are greedy people. We are disobedient. And we come to you just as we are. And we receive from you your love that includes your full, free forgiveness. Thank you. for Now, Lord, let us all go home today and go back over these passages of Scripture. Listen to the Word of God, the Spirit of God, speak to us who are now the children of God so we can glorify you as the only. In your name we pray. You're listening to Make It Clear with the teaching of Dr. Stan Pons, founder of Make It Clear Ministries. Make It Clear is dedicated to taking the Word of God with clarity into every person's world. It is the support of listeners like you who make the ministry of Make It Clear possible. You can provide your tax-deductible gift to Make It Clear online by going to makeitclear.org or you can mail your gift to Make It Clear, P.O. Box 607-901, Orlando, Florida, 32860. Thank you for helping us make it clear. If you would like to have Dr. Pond speak at your church or event, please send us an email at tellmemore at makeitclear.org. Thank you, and remember to make it clear. Oh, 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 oh,